We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights, strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com slash B. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we talk to students, educators, and thought leaders who are innovators and creatives in education. I'm your host, Tanya Sheckley. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm here today with Springhouse Community School, and I'm so excited to chat with you all. We have a big group. We're joined by Jenny Finn, who is co-founder of the school, Piper Pollock, who is one of the educators in the school, Amelia and Oshi, who are students, and H is joining us today as well. So welcome, everyone. I know a little bit about Springhouse School, and I can't wait to hear more. But your mission is to design and activate a vitality-centered education that empowers people to courageously respond to the world's emerging needs, which there's so much talk around changing education right now, and not only shifting education to create a better workforce for the future, but to create a better humanity for the future where we're really bio and eco centered. Um, and so I love the, I love the mission of working towards responding to the world's emerging needs. So Jenny, I'd love to hear more about Springhouse School and about your journey as co-founder and then hear about this algebra project that came to life as well. Thanks so much for having us, Tanya. It's really good to be here. Um, we are located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and Springhouse is going into its eighth year next year, which is a miracle, and we are really grateful for that. Um, being a startup school in rural Apple, well, being a startup school anywhere is incredibly challenging, and in rural Appalachia, it's very challenging. But we, we miraculously, one day at a time, because I think we orient around that vitality, have, um, have made it through and we've made it through with great, I would say, um, vitality, um, life. So the vision of Springhouse is to build regenerative culture. And what does that mean? It means life giving culture. It means a culture that orients around. 
protecting, taking care of, and utilizing vitality in life in the ways that take care of it. Um, that's really what it is. So it's maintaining vitality within each person, between people, and with the earth. And how do we do that? Well, we design and activate, we create education that brings us alive. And unfortunately, I think at large, that's not at the center of what we call education and hasn't been, you know, in the ways that we educate now, which is centuries, um, we've been doing it this way. It orients around something entirely different. Most of us know that. I think we know what the problems are because we're seeing the symptoms. So really what Springhouse does is it shifts the entire orientation of the design. It puts something like life, like vitality, like ultimately what's ineffable that we can't, we can't really describe, but we know it. We can feel it and experience it. We're putting that at the center of the design. And that starts with all of the adults. Because to us, education is not just like a noun in, in a box. It's a verb. It's active. It's an intergenerational community that um, it's really where we decide what we think is most important what values, ways of being, knowledge, skills are most important to pass down to our young people. To say this just as simply as I can, I'm alarmed at education at large and what it thinks is important in handing down to our young people. So I think we have to be brave. We have to be courageous. If we want a radically different world, education is the pathway by which we create culture. It just is. And we can create a culture that puts us to sleep and continues and perpetuates an unsustainable life, or we can leverage, let's say, education as a pathway to wake us up and connect us to this gift of life. So I'll just also say that we, you know, what is vitality-centered education? To us, it's five things. We take care of vulnerability first and foremost. That is our foundational principle, vulnerability. We cultivate personhood. We build beloved community we respect the wisdom of the earth and we love and serve others. That is what vitality centered education is. So with all of that, our curriculum, which is just really how we live and learn together, comes out of all of that, that center. It's like a, a spring house itself is a structure that protects, takes care of and makes useful the water that comes out of the earth at spring house community school. Our real mission is to take care of that vital life source in every person in every place and in our community. So everything's born from that, including this math class <laughs> that we're going to talk about. So I'll stop talking and see if there's anything, any other questions. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with ed tech? Tools that assume every student learns the same way at the same pace. I need my technology to do more for me. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum and that it's proven benefit to all student populations, including English learners and students in special education programs. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results, combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B-E. Is there anything else to say about that? 
Oh, that sounds phenomenal. I love the center of vitality and congratulations on year eight. I don't know how much you know about me. I also founded a school about three years ago. So I completely understand that founder's journey and the difficulty with with launching and building and growing. And congratulations on creating what sounds like an incredible community. So putting vitality at the center, I'd love to hear how that embodies itself in, in quote unquote, as Jenny said, math class. <laughs> I think that would be a great question to start with H, because I, I think H, if you want to share just your journey um, and also collectively kind of how we have been with math and why we really moved toward it. And I'll also just say three years is amazing. And um, I'll tell you, in our sixth year, we had been in the basement of an eco village, and then we were in a small building at an art center. And then someone in our sixth year came forward and offered to gift us an 11-acre farm with a beautiful building. And now we're in a, a permanent home that is so beautiful. So just keep going. Um, <laughs> and here Phenomenal. is... Um, yeah, here's H. I think H, doesn't that make sense for you to share? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So I'm the head of curriculum design at Springhouse, um, among other things. Uh, we wear many hats. But um, math in particular at Springhouse has, you know, in the beginning, we had a lot of individualized projects. We had a lot of interdisciplinary classes. But math kind of was its own thing. It was siloed from everything else. And when I talk to other schools that are trying to do things differently, that's often the case where other things are integrated, but math is its own thing. It follows a specific pacing and progression that we, we know pretty well from traditional education. And it's really interesting that I do a lot of our interviews with prospective families and one of the questions that I often hear or a fear that I hear come up is what about math? So math has a whole lot of power in our culture. Um, it's often put on a pedestal and seen as, well, if I'm successful with math, I'm successful as a, as a person or um, I'm intelligent. Like it's, it's often seen as an indicator of intelligence. And that is really interesting to me. And that has permeated Springhouse's curriculum and how we've approached math, not even really known to us until, you know, the past year or so. We've been approaching math in the same way. And that hasn't really been life-giving. It's really squeezed the life out of math and has held it really tightly, I think, out of fear um, that if we don't do it a specific way that our teams won't be successful, we won't be seen as a as a school that's doing things well for our teens. And so we decided this year to really look at it closely and do an entire math exploration. We we learned through different phenomena. And so we decided to look at mathematics as a phenomenon. And um, that's what this course, this algebra course was born from. And I think that these lovely teens here and Piper and Jenny um, can tell you more about that specific exploration, but there was also a physics exploration. There was a mathematical looking at numbers and number bases throughout history exploration. So there were three different explorations, all really with the intention of, as Dr. Rochelle Gutierrez would put it, rehumanizing mathematics, really bringing life back into mathematics and 
allowing these explorations to be enjoyable and challenging and nourishing. Fantastic. I can just speak a little bit to kind of my personal journey with the course, and then we can kind of jump into kind of the project and what that looked like, as well as kind of our exploration within the algebra course. Facilitating this course um, with Jenny was an edge for me. You know, I've held a lot of shame and internalized judgment since I was a teenager around the subject of math. And, um, you know, I would equate my intelligence and worth with getting a math problem correct. So I think that this was really a chance for me to like free myself in like the shoulds around knowing. And it kind of allowed me to interact with algebra and the learners from a place of curiosity and exploration. And I think it encouraged the students to do the same. At least I would hope so. Maybe Amelia Oshi and Cassie can speak to that. But it's like a language. And math takes practice. But if it, you practice it with curiosity, there's there's a joy that can arise. I think you bring up some good points because I think there's a lot of people in the world that feel that way about math. Like either that at a young age, they internalize that I'm just not good at math. And so that struggle, I want to say that we almost give up on that struggle. We decide that math is hard and therefore we can't do it. And so we don't advance with it. But there's so many things in the world tied to math. When we look at art, when we look at design, when we look at engineering and building and creation, you know, all of these things are based in mathematics. And so finding that, I guess, happy place, if you will, with math, where you can, you know, either decide that I might not be good at it, but I can still try and I can still do all of these things or overcoming that internal voice that you're not good at it and understanding that it's a process like anything else is, is an interesting point to bring up. But I'd love to hear more about, you know, about the project and about how this came to life. I would love to just say part of the issue is, and I think the students can speak to this too, is we collapse, and H talked about this, that we collapse our whole identity into our ability to do or not do math. It's like if I can do math, then I'm really smart. And if I can't, then I'm not smart. It is absolutely mind-blowing to me that we, as a culture, our cultural design has privileged the analytical, logical mind over everything else. So it's like if you're good at that, then you're good. And if you're not good, you're not good. It's so false. And I would also say math is not one one thing I learned from this class is that math is not like just a skill. It's not just a calculation skill. It is actually a way of being with and seeing the world. And before we hear from the students, I'll just say algebra it was a very emergent process for, for the whole class and for Piper and I as we were designing the class, which made it very magical and life-giving. The students can tell you there were many times I was dancing around and shouting <laughs> and crying. And what was amazing was algebra, in a, that word means wholeness. It means complete, to complete. And really, algebra is an exploration of wholeness and um, the sum of its parts. So it's looking at both the little parts and then the larger bucket that holds it. And that's not just with numbers. The whole class is affected for Piper and I, how we're going about designing our budget, our funding model, um, our organizational structure, always looking for like, 
what's the larger bucket that holds the sum of these parts? And if you don't have the larger bucket, then you will likely collapse into one variable. And then you, you're living a life or a project that's too small for, for us. I mean, I think we're living that culturally. So I'd love to hear from Oshi and Amelia and Cassidy. I, I had emailed them and I asked them to help ground this conversation with maybe some examples of what it was like for them, some of the things they did in the class and some of the insights they had. Yeah, absolutely. We've Great. been talking very high level about math and education. I'd love some grounding. Great, here we go. <laughs> and hear Let's examples ground. and how this worked. Great, ground us, Amelia, Oshi, and Cassidy. Who wants to go first? I can speak a little bit to one of our projects, as well as one of the kind of realizations that I had during our course. So one of our projects was to track our 24-hour day through the lens of multiple variables. And those variables were how we spent our time, who we were with, what our body was feeling or how our emotions were feeling, and a variable of our choice. So some people chose food, some people chose screen, some people chose like wanting to please people, just these different self-awareness things that you could track throughout the day. So once we had tracked what we had been doing through the lens of all those multiple variables, so we made four pie charts, one for each variable, or at least this is what I did. I made four pie charts, one for each variable, and was able to section off the charts into how I was feeling or, you know, how I spent my time. Sorry about the noise. And something that I, like a realization that I think I took away from the class was that a lot of people like go through life thinking that they're like broken apart into like, or like their whole has like a chunk missing out of it. And that chunk might be like because of pain or trauma or, you know, whatever you've gone through and you think you're broken. And then you try to fill that hole with things like alcohol and drugs and food and attention and, you know, all those things that you try to fill that hole with when what's actually happening is that you are a hole and that's just part of you. It's not like you're missing a piece. Anyway, so that's just something I took away from it. So I'm envisioning by tracking all of the variables of your day and your time and creating a whole pie chart that you're actually able to visually see your whole self. And please correct me if I'm not, <laughs> if I'm not understanding how this came to life, but it's definitely a really unique way to look at math or to use math in your world and your life. But I can see how that, how that visualization and just tracking of self could create that at least awareness of wholeness, if not full feeling of wholeness. I think as a person, you may still feel that there's a hole or a gap or something's not right or you're missing something. But being able to really see that that it is whole is one step maybe in that process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that for a lot of us, this project didn't only let us like see that we were a whole, but also like be more aware of different things, like more aware of how much time you're on screen. And mm -hmm. I think the first step to changing a habit that you don't like is just to be aware of it. And so I think that for a lot of people, you know, this is a really 
vital first step of being aware of the things you want to change. Like for me, I wanted to change how life-giving my days were. And so I tracked how life-giving they were, and I found that only like two or three hours out of it I actually enjoyed. And so, you know, I felt that being aware of that was the first step to changing it. And then the next day, it seemed like it got better. You know what's so powerful too, Tanya, is that it's like Cassidy just said it, where it's not like, well, some of my day is not life-giving. That's one way to say it. But through a more precise lens, you can look and go, you know, I'm thinking of um, one of our students who was like, wow, I was, I was on screens seven hours one night and I felt bored. And so it was like, it's such a precise, like knowing that seven out of 24 hours <laughs> I was on screens versus sometimes I'm on screens. It just brings a precision that could be not always, but it could be more of a motivator to make change when you take a little bit of a closer look. And that to me is what math is. It brings a closer lens. How about you, Amelia Inoshi? I can speak to, it wasn't exactly a project we did, but like an exercise we did most days was we would go and like do some type of math problem on this whiteboard we had in class. And I appreciated the way we approached this in the class because instead of like a, oh, you have gotten this wrong, go sit back down and like feel bad about yourself. It was kind of more of a, if you didn't know what you were doing, you could get a lot of class help. And this let us explore different ways of doing things. I know a couple different times we did like whole side tangents about like zero and why negatives and other negatives go together to make positives and stuff. And it also like let me see how other people do math differently than I do. And some people do it the same just because it was like a very open exploration that wasn't shutting anybody down for doing it a different way. And I really appreciated that because before this class, I had been like, totally terrified of the idea of algebra. It seemed like something that was completely different than anything I had ever learned before. And like, I didn't even know how to approach it to start learning it. But then when I got to this class, I realized pretty quickly, oh, this is just another part of the things I've already learned. I can do this skill. And it was such a confidence boost to be like, I know how to do this. This has been a fear point for me for years, but here I am doing it. And that's because I was like, comfortable and was willing to explore it. Yeah, you said a couple of really great things. A part of that is the flexibility of your mind to be willing to try and willing like it. It's hard to stand up in front of a classroom and have other people share ideas and ways of doing things as you're trying to figure something out and you're working through an issue like that. That's a really difficult skill for a lot of people. Um, but that taking math from a you're right or you're wrong and this is how you do it and how you don't do it into a collaborative experience where, you know, there are lots of different ways of looking at how numbers fit together or at how variables fit together or of how all the pieces of a whole fit together. As Jenny was saying that that's algebra, right? How all the pieces fit together and being able to take from all of your peers the different ways that they look at it and then figure out like which ones work for you. I mean, that's not a math skill. That's a life skill. <laughs> if we can do that 
throughout life and all of the things that we do and collaborate as a group and pull together the things that are going to work to move us forward and let go of the things and the ideas and the mindsets that don't work. That's an amazing algebra lesson. <laughs> an amazing life lesson. Yes. Osh, do you have any, what, what do you have to share? I'd love also to hear about our defensive learning process at the end and some of the things we did there. But Oshi, what do you want to share? I just wanted to say one thing I really appreciated about this class was it was kind of similar to what Amelia said, but um, it was a very pressure-free environment. So I was able to enjoy learning because I didn't have the pressure on me that I was going to fail or, you know, get shamed for not doing well. And um, it makes it a lot easier to learn because um, you're actually wanting to and you're not feeling the pressure. So that was really great. Yeah, it opened my eyes up um, a lot to what learning and math can be. Did you want me to talk about the defensive learning? Yeah, we had those three different days, right? Do you all even remember? Do you remember? It feels like it was forever, but it really, it's really only a couple weeks. <laughs> well, one thing we did was we all designed our own math problem or equation and worked it out on a whiteboard in front of the class. So we basically got up there and just randomly <laughs> wrote down whatever we wanted to write out and worked it out. And, um, yeah, it was a surprise. We weren't, we didn't know what to expect. Just kind of happened. <laughs> um, and it was definitely different than any other DOL defensive learning, um, that I had ever done before. Does anyone else want to talk? Yeah. Um, the second day we came to the school, um, and we have like this really pretty back classroom that's like outdoors and it's like open on all the sides and so it's just basically just like a deck and so we came to the classroom and there was like this huge whiteboard with like hundreds of sticky notes on them (laughs) on it and we were like uh okay because there were like all these sticky notes with different what seemed to me like characteristics, like um, a fighter, a dog lover, compassionate, free, so very many. And we came to the classroom and were told to like go in a circle. And from then on, we had basically like a ritual of like blessing each other with characteristics that you see in them. And blessing yourself with the characteristic you see in yourself and kind of relating that to A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So saying A equals a wonder, B equals a fighter. And then, you know, we go around like that, acknowledging that there are endless variables to who we are, kind of just blessing each other. I think that's really great. I dropped some photos in there, Tanya, if you want to see what they're talking about. But one of the things that really was powerful was we had one student who went in the center of the circle and like they chose, like Cassie said, like they chose a variable that described them. And for him, it was rebel. And then everyone else chose different variables. And really what this young person said after was like, I realized like, yeah, that's part of me, but I'm more than that. Like, I'm not just a rebel. I'm not just 
an animal lover. I'm not just selfish. All of these things, many I know and more I don't know. I'm more of a mystery than I am a known. So it's like being human is almost just solving for the unknown, an unknown that we'll never fully know. So it's like algebra is not just about numbers, but it's also really fun to play with numbers and wholeness. And it's also really fun to look at yourself through the lens of algebra. Amelia, do you want to talk about the last day, like food and reflection circles and what that was like? Yes, I will. So on our last day, we assessed ourselves for competencies, which is part of the defensive learning that we do. But to make it like more, not exactly relaxed, but it felt like a more comfortable space than it does sometimes because sometimes it's a lot more formal. But we all brought in round food to signify the whole. So like I made mini pizzas. I think Cassie, you made quiche and a lot of different round food. And so we, I mean, we were outside social distanced and stuff, but this was like the first meal that we had really eaten together as a community. Usually we have like fundraising meals and stuff, big pancake breakfast at the beginning of the school. So it was really nice to feel that like normality of kind of eating together and it was more conversational than usual. And so we did it as like a whole big math group and everyone went around and shared their competencies and we shared all this food. And that was really fun to see like what people brought to represent the whole. Something that I was just thinking of adding to that was that Jenny had a realization, another one. (laughs) Throughout this whole course, she was coming in. She was like, I had an epiphany. Next day, I had another epiphany. I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, Anyway, so she had a third epiphany during that time that a hole doesn't necessarily need to be round. And that it can be, I think this was prompted by her, a little less than round flatbread that she made. (laughs) She realized that, you know, a hole can be like any shape because any shape can be taken into different parts. Um, And each part doesn't have to be a specific size. Or fraction. They're all variables. <laughs> all shapes and sizes. Go Would ahead. Would you like me to just give a just a brief overview of what, what we're talking about in terms of our defensive learning? I think some context might be helpful there. That would be um, great. Great. So just briefly, we call it the defensive learning, though, that that name is shifting um, because the intention is not necessarily defense anymore, but It's really our way of assessing or reflecting on our learning from the past trimester. And, um, we bring in, often bring in people from the community that, that might know the skills that we've been working or might know a bit about the exploration, um, or just curious about having this kind of honest conversation with the teens around their learning. It's really a a time for teens to reflect on their learning, to, show some evidence of their learning, but also for them to receive really honest feedback about their learning and about how they showed up in the past trimester. And so it's a really great way for the teens to get a sense of where they're at with the skills that we call competencies, but really are the skills that they've been working throughout the year. Great. Thank you for the background. I appreciate that. And this sounds like an amazing project. I guess my my next question 
for you and, and we need to wrap up shortly, but where does math go from here? What's next for Springhouse, for algebra, for math, for continuing this journey? Definitely. <laughs> math will still be a part of Springhouse. Math is a part of life. And so that will definitely be integrated, though the next step is still unclear about how it will be integrated, if it will look like, you know, this exploration every year or what. But what we do is very emergent and always responds to what's relevant. And so we might have, um, like in the past, we had a project that spanned the whole entire year where we were building a sailboat, which obviously involves math. So I imagine there will be projects like that. But I think just the fact that we had this exploration and we saw how life-giving math is and math can be, that we're naturally going to move toward it more in our curriculum and it's on our radar to integrate it. And so the next step is not clear, though we know it's going to be a part of our curriculum, as it always has been, but in a way that is life-giving. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you all for joining me this morning. This has really been honestly enlightening and life-giving as a conversation. I will see math in a totally different way. And you've given me ideas of how to integrate different math ideas into our elementary education as well. Because if they can start looking at it from a different lens and a different angle at a young age, that just increases their perspective and, and ability to to learn and to grow with with all the subjects as well. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for spending time with us. And thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Um, really, it's been such a pleasure to be here. And Amelia, Oshie, and Cassidy, thanks for being awake on a Friday morning and being here um, in H and Piper. And I mean, if people are interested in learning more about the design and the design principles, we do now share the design globally through our Vitality Center Design Labs. So people can go to springhouse.org and um, click on the design, it says our design, and learn more about how how to learn and practice these principles in small, intimate cohorts, and then bring those principles to, to their own environment, starting with their own lives. So we'd welcome anyone who's, who's interested in that. Wonderful. What a gift. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Thanks, Tanya. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rebel Educator podcast. To learn more about us, visit rebeleducator.com, where you can learn about our professional development opportunities for educators and students and see our project library. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out our progressive, inclusive elementary school, Up Academy, at upacademysf.com. We'd like to say a special thank you to Atmosphere, for use of their audio track, Miho. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you well no matter where your educational journey may lead. There are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, 
which unlocks the benefits of FlexTime without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your FlexTime work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.